Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. Still excited to have our friend Dick Foth with us back for another session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we're going to jump into our uh, interview with Dr. Kent Mankins and just have a phenomenal time with him. Dick, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks a million. Always grand to be with you, Aaron. It is for sure, Dick. Thank you for spending some time with us today. And um, the listeners continue to send in questions and uh, we'd really appreciate your wisdom and insight. Today, Dick, I got two questions for you um, around the subject of sabbatical. Um, the first one was, have you ever taken a sabbatical? The short answer is you betcha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough that in my early days of what we call vocational ministry, um, we didn't really do that in our environment. Other other folks from other traditions did. But I took one after 14 years as a college president. I was president of a small college on the West Coast of California from 1978 to 1992. By the time I got to 1992, I was 50 and I was tired. And so, yes, I took one. Yeah. And uh, so so then the second question is kind of tied to that. So you took one. Um, so how did it impact you and how do you structure your sabbaticals? If you were to ask Ruth, my wife, that question, or even you're asking me, we would say it saved my life. And was, oh. and that's rather dramatic because oh. oftentimes we think about sabbaticals, we're thinking about well, I'm going to go on a two-month sabbatical or a three-month. What we did was to take a one-year sabbatical. It had been a very challenging last three or four years uh, at the college, just economically. It, it was just uh, many of your listeners understand what that's like, so I don't have to elaborate it. And um, what we did, how we structured it, was we said, well, we're leaving this college. <clears throat> There's not going to be a huge severance package because this is a small Christian college, right? And right. So, so, uh, so how do we, knowing that we can't go just to something else immediately, how would we do this? So we took a second mortgage on our home, and we got as far away from the place that I had been within the continental United States as we could get just to give space to whomever was following us. So we wow. moved to the East coast. And um, what I did was I had called a couple of uh, pastor friends, several, and said, if we move to your town and I worked with you a couple of days a week, is there any chance that you could give us uh, health coverage? Yeah. Uh, that's what I, you know, when you, when you're desperate, you're more bold, I think. <laughs> it's, and so, <laughs> So, so, um, and I could be a listening ear for you. We could hang out, we yeah. could do whatever, and I could spell you and speaking now and again, and so forth. So the first six months were spent in North Carolina, summer and fall of 1992, 93, or 92, summer and fall. And um, what it did for us is it gave Ruth and me time just to decompress hmm. um, and to spend time together. Because when you're in the mission, we all know this. When you're in the mission, you're going a thousand miles an hour and and your spouse, if you were married, oftentimes feel like they're competing with God. Yeah. And um, so it gave us time to relax, to do a little writing and to do some antiquing. Hmm. See, now, when Ruth and I drive across country, I remember towns by the restaurants. She remembers them by the antique stores. <laughs> and so <laughs> I remember Jeb's Barbecue in Ashburn, North Carolina, where you get sweet banana pudding and the... And the waitress or the wait person calls you sweetie, you know, that, <laughs> so, um, 
And the second months, the second six months in the spring of 93 were spent in Massachusetts, where my friend Bob Cooley, who was head of Gordon Conwell, called and said, understand you're coming to the East Coast, come be minister in residence. I said, what is that? He said, well, you speak three times in chapel, you hang out with seminarians, and we give you a free apartment. I said, I believe that. I'm your guy. <laughs> so so th- three or four things happened there. And I, I know this is a long answer to the question, but... Um, our daughter Jenny had just come back from uh, from a year off at Gordon Conwell, where she went to uh, Thailand or Cambodia actually, and taught medical students English. And so we got to be in an apartment with her. So we connected with family during our sabbatical. I went back to the classroom to learn. I said I want to be in the classroom, not as a teacher. I just mm-hmm. want to hang out with some twenty three-year-olds who know more than I do, which is a little discouraging. And then I went back. When I did that, Bob Cooley said, well, why don't you do a doctoral program? Because at that point, I didn't have a doctorate. And I said, why would I want to do that? He said, some people just do better with the program. And he was insightful. And and then Ruth got to help in his office. uh, And she also got to go to a quilting class in South Hamilton, Massachusetts that had been in existence for a couple hundred years. And so wow. anyway, and the, the principles of sabbatical for us were, was restoration, it was perspective, it was refocus, it expanded our world. And what we need to understand, I think, if, if one is married on a sabbatical, is that each individual is unique. And if you're a couple, you both need it. It isn't hmm. just one person. And what I would suggest is when you're thinking about sabbatical, where do you go? Where are your trusted relationships? Will there be people near you or in your arena that that can be of service to you? And that's a again, that's a long answer to a question, but it was a huge deal for us because we were sort of at the end of ourselves. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for your transparency and your encouragement, Dick, and uh, very, very valuable points. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Dr. Kent Mankins. Enjoyed spending some time with him. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a new friend of the podcast, Dr. Kent Mankins. He gave me permission to call him Kent throughout the podcast, so that's how I refer to him. But I wanted to respect him, at least in the introductory. Um, he has a doctorate, so that's a lot of work and um, from somebody who has one and knows. So, Kent, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Aaron, with you. It's it's an honor to have you um, and to be with you this evening. Our friends, the T- Jay and Cheryl Taylor, they connected us and um, they told me we were having a conversation one day about sabbaticals and they said, you need to talk to Kent. And um, just wanted to see some a little bit of how you got a passion for this subject and yeah, just some of the history behind it. Well, it probably stems from my own, um, I'd say, lack of health. I became a lot, did my master's degree and PhD and um, counseling and 
uh, became a licensed mental health counselor. And what I learned there was most people go into counseling because they need counseling. <laughs> and okay. I thought, you know, that represents me pretty well. Um, I, I've um, for many years seen the value of being healthy as a pastor and recognize that many pastors, many missionaries I've known uh, have not been healthy for one reason or another. We all have unique situations, unique backgrounds. But for me, it was the observation of um, what what I began to call toxic leadership. And uh, we've seen toxic leadership play out in the media over the last several years, um, you know, with with the onset of the Internet. And so, you know, um, the ease of information traveling around the world, uh, we are seeing more and more pastors, big name pastors and leaders, yeah. uh, Christian leaders uh, falling by the wayside. And I believe that um, rest is an important factor in being a healthy leader. So, you know, for me personally, um, I think my personal own health has been uh, a major factor in me, the reason that I'm interested in sabbaticals. Yeah. The journey to become a, a licensed, you say licensed clinical counselor. Is that what you said? It's in Washington state. It's licensed mental health counselor, other states. It may be licensed professional counselor. Um, every state maybe, you know, has their own little uh, acronym there. But for us, it is a licensed mental health counselor here in Washington. Wow. wow, wow. What's one big lesson you took from your studies? I, I know that's you spent a lot of time. But were there was there one point that you are just like a gold nugget? I, I know for my doctoral, I can name one or two things. But was there one or two things you took from your studies before we jump into more on the sabbatical part? Yeah, you know, my uh, PhD was on building multicultural teams. Wow. And um, I used hermeneutics. It was in a secular university that used hermeneutics to uh, help interpret relationships and build relationships across culture. Uh, that was important. The second, I think, was from my master's degree, and that was uh, in the School of Counseling. And my uh, master's thesis was on exercise and um, depression and stress. And uh, hmm. what we found was the exercise had virtually the same impact as medication on helping people deal with uh, stress and depression. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. So I do not practice what I preach. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the health club uh, last week. I could actually say that now. Uh, last week, I wouldn't be able to say that for a year. <laughs> so, oh, man. You know, sometimes you may know the answer, but you don't practice what you preach. And uh, that's been me over this past couple of years. And so I'm trying to get back into the swing of exercising. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So just talking a little bit today about sabbaticals, uh, what is a sabbatical? What is not? What is a, what is not a sabbatical? Well, I think one thing, you know, first of all, we have um, vacations and I think a vacation, you know, there is a differentiation between a vacation and a sabbatical, uh, a sabbatical being typically longer. Um, for me personally, I have uh, one month vacation a year and every seven years uh, up until this past August, I had one month sabbatical every seven years. Hmm. So, uh, you know, my sabbatical, my vacation, in essence, lasted uh, last the same amount of time. Uh, as of August, our board has given us uh, two years sabbatical when you've been there as long as I have, which I've been there for uh, 15 years as lead pastor. But um, typically, you would take a sabbatical all at one time. I rarely have taken my vacation one month at a time. Okay. Um, sabbatical, though, would be, you know, anywhere between a month and six months. Um, I've got friends who have who are pastors who take six months off, some who take three and two. And, uh, you know, six months to me, I just like, I don't know how I could do that. <laughs> but 
you know, the sabbatical would be taking it all at one time. I think okay. the purpose of a sabbatical would be different as well. Um, okay. And, you know, I think we find it, first of all, sabbatical, you know, comes from the word Sabbath. And mm. uh, so it's got a biblical foundation, but education, academics, uh, of course, uh, has had a history of sabbaticals. Um, business, um, you know, secular businesses have sabbaticals offered now as part of compensation plans. Yeah. And uh, in the ministry, uh, I think academics and and business uh, sabbaticals probably should have a different purpose. And um, this is going to be hard to communicate to your board or your leadership if, if you don't have a sabbatical in, in uh, place yeah. or a policy in place. Um, in my opinion, and, and actually I read something by Eugene Peterson who, who also agrees, a sabbatical for those of us in the ministry shouldn't necessarily uh, be mandated to include education and writing and um, training, which uh, you often find in some of the other like academic or business settings. Yeah. I think for ministers, um, it would be important for us just to rest like God rested on the Sabbath. Hmm. Um I jokingly said a couple of weeks ago in a sermon, um, the Sabbath is the one ten, one of the Ten Commandments that we give ourselves permission to break all the time without any guilt or co- conviction. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, you know, my board actually at our annual review this year, uh, just in August, uh, got together with me, and and um, I've always get nervous around that view time. And um, their one critique this year was, take your day off. Hmm. And uh, I strive to do that, but I've got to tell you, I'm always, I've always got my phone with me, and yeah. I'll answer a text or an email or a call on yeah. my day off. Uh, a sabbatical, you need to break, you need to turn it off, you need to stay away, and uh, get time to uh, be refreshed and renewed. And so, I think the biggest difference is the length of time mm-hmm. and the purpose, and the importance of making a, a just severing that hmm. tie. Wow. So this, going back just a little bit, you said the the Sabbath is one of the ones we give our self-permission to break. What are some reasons you think is that across? Do you think that's across denominations? Do you think that's something specifically to ministry? Do you think that's the age we live in? Yeah, do you, you, you must have thought about it a little bit. Just interested to get your insight. I have. It's interesting because my neighbor is a retired Army chaplain uh, for the Seventh-day Adventist, okay. and we are friends, and we always joke. Uh, I've mowed his yard on occasion just to be nice, and I, I, I tell him, I will not ever mow your yard on a Saturday yeah. because I know how important it is to you to uh, keep the Sabbath. And, and sure. so they keep the Sabbath. They don't work. Uh, they are committed to the Sabbath. And... Um, for us, I'm not quite sure why we do this. Um, you know, we say, well, our Sabbath would be Sunday, but for a pastor specifically, um, that's not really a Sabbath. That's really sure. the day that I am on, and I yeah. think most of us are on. Yeah. Um, we're worn out on come Monday, and so yeah. um, I would not call Sunday a Sabbath. I remember when I, in my first church as a lead pastor, I had a uh, work day on a Sunday after church. We provided lunch and had a work day, and somebody asked me, aren't we supposed to take a Sabbath? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. We do, yeah. And then I thought to myself, that was the first time I thought, why are we doing this? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think it's something that we look at as um, 
well, the Sabbath is is for man, not man for the Sabbath. So hmm. uh, it doesn't matter if I work on the Sabbath. So, hmm. you know, for me, Sunday is not my Sabbath. I would call Saturday my Sabbath. Um, yeah. But yeah, I still find myself mowing the yard or doing other things on a Sabbath. <laughs> I don't, it's, the answer is, I don't know why we give ourselves <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have my, my theory and, and it's not based on, it's just thoughts is I think as, as Pentecostals, we're people of action and we like yeah. to, we'd like to do, we like to do, we like to work. I come from yeah. West Virginia and uh, I say our love language is service, acts of service yeah. and motion and doing yeah. and not sitting in contemplative. And that's just, so I think it's some of where I came from and, and the church I was raised in, but it is our love language. That's how you show love right. to other people is by serving them and doing for them and uh, sitting still. It's just not, it wasn't really valued growing up. And so I think that's right. just, it's something I'm trying to learn and grow in. Uh, I can't tell you I'm doing the best at it, but, but I am at least <laughs> cognizant of it. So cognizant yeah, of it. Same here. Same here. So we talked a little bit about differences between a, a vacation and sabbatical. Who are people that would maybe be a candidate for that? Is it is a sabbatical? Do you think is it should be rhythmically for everybody involved in the ministry? Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, I think it if you're leading, and we'll talk specifically ministry. I think all leaders, you know, like we talked about uh, through academics and uh, business, are you know having sabbaticals in their their uh, realms. But for pastors, for missionaries, uh, if you're involved in leadership and you've been involved in leadership for a significant amount of time, a, a few years, I think you really need to start thinking about uh, a sabbatical. Um, I think uh, that, uh, you know, when you see yourself with a lack of vision, I wrote an article for Influence Magazine, yeah. uh, you know, our Assemblies of God um, magazine back in, uh, it was July through September of 2021, about how to ask for a sabbatical. And it began with uh, my personal experience of sitting with our board during COVID. Hmm. And uh, I think for most of us, uh, I know pastors had a little bit different experience than missionaries did, because I have a lot of friends who uh, were not able to go back to their place of calling, yes. to their field. And uh, that added a whole new element of stress. Some of them, um, I understand, you know, even in Asia specifically, are having yeah. difficult time even now getting back. Um, but for me, uh, and personally, I would say, you know, during that time of COVID was stressful. And as a leader, mm -hmm. uh, you've got people who are saying, if you don't wear a mask, you don't care about people. If you do wear masks, you don't care about people. If you uh, close church, um, then I'm not going to go to your church. If you open your church, then I'm not going to go to your <laughs> church. <laughs> just, and, and, and it's just, a, the, it was this constant battle. And um, I found myself just, just uh, almost in a time of depression. Well, I would say, yeah, mm. I was probably depressed. I, I know I was depressed. I'll just shoot straight mm. with you. I was yeah. depressed. And uh, I had a lack of vision. I had a lack of joy. And I told our board uh, one night, one of my staff members, one of my associates said um, later that they didn't appreciate me sharing so candidly because it didn't inspire confidence in my leadership. But I told them, I feel like I'm driving. You know, you grew up in West Virginia. I yeah, think yeah. you said up in West Texas. Okay. And uh, you've probably driven down a dirt road behind somebody else in the middle yeah. of summer. 
Yeah. And uh, that's what I said. I felt like you, hmm. you, all you see, you're heading down the road and you can see right in front of you, but you don't see very far beyond the hood of your car. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I felt as a leader. I just didn't have vision. I didn't know where we were going, what was going to happen. And um, I did, I, I, therefore I'd lost joy. And yeah. um, I just, I, I knew it just hit me at that time that I needed, I needed to take a break. Yeah. He did the rest. Yeah. I appreciate the analogy that that makes a ton of sense about the dust and not being able to see. And um, West Virginia might have been snow squalls. One time I was in a snow squall and uh, and I could not see. I could just in front of my drive, but it's hard to drive. It's hard to concentrate. And I think the other thing it creates a sense, it creates a sense of anxiety as a leader when you, because you're used to having a vision. You're used to being able to see where you're going without that um, just creates, like I said, just a sense of, of anxiety. Um, You talked about, I I think you hit on something there, you know, that anxiety you're supposed to, and um, you lose your vision, you lose, and and even a sense of call. And that's another thing I think that having a sabbatical should help us do is to renew that sense of calling. Hmm. Um, You know, God, what have you called me to? Who have you called me to be? What have you called me to do? And to refresh that calling. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go, please go ahead. But I think I think you hit on that very well. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think that's, that's, that's an excellent point. And um, I think that's, yeah, that's why we're here to have a conversation. So it's, it's good. It's good. You talk about um, sabbaticals is a a helping a steward, uh, being wise stewards of our leadership. Can you just share a little bit more about that and how, you know, somebody might think, well, hey, being a good leader is just continuing to work, work, work. And I share, you know, I'm going to burn out before I'm going to rust out and um, right. th- that type of thought. Can you just share how it's why stewardship to to take a sabbatical? Yeah. Um, and I that's the word I'm thinking uh, is stewardship. I think that is the, the perfect word for this. Um Having, you know, as I'm serving presently on the AGWM board, the Assembly God World Missions Board, uh, one of the tasks we have is to interview candidate missionaries. And uh, many of them are young, not all of them, but, uh, you know, getting started in their missions career. And one of the things I think as I hear the the energy and the drive in their voice and the excitement in their voice about going on the mission field is uh, begin with the end in mind. You know, next to the next to the Bible, I say uh, seven habits of highly effective people is right up there. And um, <laughs> begin with the end in mind. And for, you know, a 20 something or 30 something year old, even for those in their 40s to think about the end may not be something that's presently on their minds. But uh, if you begin your career thinking about the end, whether you're going to serve three terms, you know, two terms or or you're going to be a lifetime missionary, um, I, for me, you want to look at this and say, how am I going to end? It's important how I end. And if you're not healthy, you will not end well. And hmm. that whole, you know, that concept of burning out before I rust out, um, it sounds good, but, um, if we do not plan to, uh, be healthy as we end our careers, uh, I think we'll find ourselves burning out. And of course we experience, uh, we we've seen all, all had friends and seen uh, colleagues who burn out. Yeah. And, uh, I think taking a rest is vital in, uh, in, in, in how we, um, end our careers. Yeah. And do you think in your experience, at least in my, I guess some, that's a leading question, but I think in my experience, that's what people remember. 
So if you finish that way, it's, you know, they, they might say, well, 20 years ago, Aaron was a, a pastor. He was leading well. But a lot of times it's those last things that, you know, how we end um, is what people remember in that little short period. They'll talk about our lives will probably be the, the end. Um, yeah. So for a younger, maybe a younger listener that, that's listening in, how can they keep that end in mind when they're 25 or maybe 30? Any any wisdom on that? You know, I think quite honestly, those of us, I'm, I just turned 57. I'm, I'm no longer a kid. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a old man now. But I think it's important for those of us in my generation to speak into the lives of those who are younger. Some will listen, some won't. Um, but I think to, to uh, bring to their attention at, at that young age um, and along the way to remember to finish well. And you can't finish well if you don't live well and if you're not healthy. And, um, you know, I really think that this um, taking time to rest is important in your longevity and in your health. I just want to pause for 30 seconds in the middle of this episode to share some exciting news about the book I published, A Caring Life, How Each of Us Can Change the Trajectory of an Uncaring World. It's available now on Amazon and audiobook, Kindle, and print form. And the book helps us recognize that our world is moving in a direction of an uncaring life and helps us reorient towards a caring life where those that are in our life feel valued, they feel known, they know that they belong, and they matter. The book, as I said, is, is a valuable resource and I believe will help change the trajectory of an uncaring world. It's available now on Amazon. That's good. It's good stuff. Um, and so what are some reasons you think somebody might need need a sabbatical? Um, kind of transitioning, we've talked, you said that their sabbaticals are f- for everyone. But, but is there some maybe some certain signs that, hey, maybe this might uh, I need to begin to think about and plan for this and be intentional about it? Yeah, I, I think um, when you start seeing <laughs> when you start seeing your marriage struggle or relationships, I know I, not everyone's married. Um, yeah. If you're married and you're starting to see um, regular conflict in your marriage, if you're starting to see um maybe withdrawal from friends. If you're, yeah. if you're single, maybe uh, you're not connecting with your friends as much. Maybe there's some loss of joy, maybe depression, um, isolation, uh, loss of vision, I think hmm. uh, is big. Um, when you sit there and you just go, I'm not sure what God's calling me, what the, what this next season looks like. I'm not sure what he's calling me to do. Um when you just don't sense that you're healthy and most of us yeah. have some type, some type of a internal radar that just says something's not right. Yeah. Uh, another, um, you know, I think if we don't take a rest, what I think our uh, maybe subconscious or the, our, our natural man or woman may begin to uh, uh, develop stronger influence in our lives. And I think, mm. What, what we'll do is substitute rest for uh, substances or uh, pornography, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, maybe you substitute your rest for uh, food um, or inappropriate relationships. Somewhere we're going to try to find some sense of respite. Hmm. And uh, I think I think if we don't if we're not intentional about taking the Sabbath and by, I think it's important to take weekly, um, even daily Sabbaths, taking time throughout the day to uh, find a, you know, an hour of, of just 
rest and reflection, uh, taking the weekly Sabbath. Remember the seventh, the Sabbath day, uh, keep it holy, yeah. but also taking quarterly and, um, and, and yearly. And then, you know, when we look at the five to seven year mark, taking significant time off there, um, would be very, very important. And if we don't do that, I think our bodies and our brain, uh, our emotions will probably lead us down uh, other avenues that are not as healthy. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is this is this is significant for your personal health and for the ministry health. Though so it's obviously ministry is valuable, but just for individuals personally, for them to remain healthy and with their their families, their kids, if they're single, as you said, not everyone that listens to this podcast is married, but just in their personal health, it's valuable uh, as a practice to keep up in that. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. And you you mentioned, you know, going back to that word stewardship, um, you know, we know longevity produces the most effective ministries. I mean, yeah. research has shown that. Um, and, and your observation, my observation has demonstrated yeah. that when yeah. we are in it for the long haul. Um, I know, you know, having been a part of AGWM, I know that, you know, there are some missionaries who get out there on the field and for a variety of reasons may only spend one term. Yeah. And uh, that's a that's kind of that's a loss for everyone involved. It's a yes, loss it for AGWM because there's a significant amount of, of energy and finances that go into putting a missionary on the field. Yeah. And then uh, the people that you're ministering to, you get there and you're like, hey, I'm here. I'm here to serve you. Uh, you're there for three or four years and then I'm not going back. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not healthy for for you. It's not healthy. You know, I've got friends. I've I've actually got one friend who uh, is one of those guys. He went yeah. to a country where it was just extremely difficult. He and his family were isolated. They spent one term and their family. This was years ago. And their family still has uh, dysfunction because of um, the um, the pain, the the yeah. hurt that they had there on the field. Yeah. Um, it's good for the mission. Um, for for us to take a break. Yeah, that's good. It builds longevity. You know, I did my master's MBA project on unhealthy missionary retention and healthy missionary attrition. And this, the mm -hmm. idea that, honestly, if you look at trajectory of your most effective years of ministry on the field, normally start between, if you, through studies, look at it, normally between years eight and 12. But you, mm -hmm. we lose so many peak workers before they get to those marks of the, right. the eight to 12 years um, right. of that peak time of they know language, they know the call. Culture, their family, they've they've have a rhythm, they have a thing, but we just, as you said, we lose people before that time, and it's yeah. a uh, it's a cost, it's a toll on the mission. It's as you said, it's a personal toll on their family. It's the team they serve on. Um, it's the national church that they serve with. It's the churches they plant. You know, I mean, it, it, it the impact. I think is not just isolated, but it does have reverberations into a multiplicity of areas. And so, right. as you said, that stewardship of people and of ministry and of calling is, is super, super valuable. Aaron, you're right. You know, that 10-year mark, um, when I look back over my tenure here at Valley, um, I started in uh, 2007, went through a one-year transition, and 2008 became the lead pastor, and it took me 10 years. I, hmm. I, I just right at 10 years before I felt like I was fully leading. Yeah. I was starting to see results or fruit yeah. from yeah. my leadership. Yeah, And I look across the, I, I survey the landscape and, and man, I'm telling you, pastors do not stay that long. 
Yeah. Uh, typically they're gone within a few years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I look at youth pastors and uh, senior all the way through senior pastors. And I just go, um, when you spend less than 10 years in a place, you're not seeing the fruit of your, your investment. Yeah. And I'm confident it's the same with missions. Yeah. Very, very true. Very, very true. So we've talked about the benefits, the value of a sabbatical. So what are some of the resistance? What What's resistance and why, if it's something that's so great, um, what are some resistance maybe from uh, people asking for one, uh, maybe for a church board or somebody else granting a, a sabbatical? Or what are some of those friction points when it comes to this? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest ones I've heard, and I've heard this um, often, well, not everyone's going to understand what a sabbatical is, and it's not going to look good. Hmm. Um, I've heard that from um, missions organizations. I've heard yeah. that from churches. Well, the people in our church typically don't get, or the people on our field, or the people in the churches who support our missionaries yeah. don't get a sabbatical. And so they won't really understand, and they'll think, well, they've got a cushy life. Yeah. Uh, so I, for me, I think that's one of the most... The, the biggest obstacles in uh, having a sabbatical or sabbatical policy. Um, another is I, I just don't have time to do that. Uh, hmm. I, I can't find the time. And, and it's hard. I mean, yeah. uh, I do right now for a sabbatical. Um, I'm several months late, actually. It should have been in uh, this past year. And um, I'm actually going to take it in 2023. Uh-huh. Uh, but it takes time to figure out, you know, when I'm when can I be gone and then you've got a plan for when you're gone. And yeah. being gone two months for me is a it's a long time. <laughs> and there's no ideal time to do that. In the spring, you're you know preparing for uh, the summer. Maybe you've got Easter coming, or you've just finished Easter, and you don't want to leave right after you know a big event. And then uh, the summertime, well, you've got events going on. And you've got to start preparing for the fall. And then in the fall, you've got Christmas coming and Thanksgiving coming, so you can't be gone then. And the cycle just goes on. There's no <laughs> ideal time yeah. to take a sabbatical. And so yeah. I think just to say, um, I don't have time. Well, that's not adequate. Uh, you'll have time when you burn out and you get fired yeah. <laughs> or, you, or you just walk away someday. You just, you just say I've had enough and you just walk out your office and say, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Uh, I think another one is insecurity. Um, hmm. what happened when I'm gone? And, uh, I, you know, I talked earlier about my own uh, emotional health as a as a pastor. And uh, when I was younger, I even had a hard time taking two weeks off. Um, I'm talking about the the first church that I, I was senior pastor. It was a smaller church here in the Spokane area. And I remember sitting on the beach in Hawaii with my wife. This is pre-kids. And um, <laughs> I had this thought, she she asked me, she said this, we, we, we have a wonderful life, don't we? And I said, yeah, I guess. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, well, what if I get back and they realize they don't need me anymore? Wow. And so that insecurity of, you know, what if the church realizes they don't need me? Or what if the mission hmm. recognizes that I'm not really that valuable? Hmm. Uh, one of the things that an article I read one time said, when you're gone, the church will recognize how, how great you are and how much work you actually do. And hmm. I'm like, well, I have a pretty large staff and some great associate pastors. I don't even preach every Sunday as it is now. I preach every yeah. every other or something like that. You know, I, I have, we have a great preaching team. And so what if when I'm gone, nobody even misses me? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, you were gone? We didn't even notice. <laughs> so why do we need you here? And sure. so that whole insecurity element, I think, can uh, really add, can can be an obstacle. Yeah. If you're controlling, you're going to uh, have a hard time saying, I'm going to relinquish control to someone else or to a, a team of people. Wow. Trust that they'll keep this thing moving. Wow. Back to the first one you you said about the resistance when when people say hey supporters would understand that you're a, you're a missionary they think you're living a cushy life if you have a sabbatical is somebody who's you're a pastor you understand all of those different things how do you do you respond maybe if somebody shares that or do you not respond or you just let them yeah just the thoughts on it yeah you know it it would depend on the relationship, but quite honestly, when you're a missionary and or a pastor, um we are always on. Yeah. We are just always on, and most of our life consists of pouring into others. Hmm. Um, even when I have the opportunity to sit and listen to one of our associates or a guest speaker um and and I'm you know in a sense being poured into yeah uh, I'm yeah. still thinking you know hey I could use this for my sermon or uh, I'm critiquing or else I am at church and I'm pouring into people around me uh, yeah. we're continually as Paul said being poured out like a drink offering hmm. and uh ideally we're being re- replenished each day as we spend time in prayer and in the word and, uh, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to refill us each day, each week, each month, each year. But um, I think it's biblical to take that time and an extended amount of time to uh, be refilled. And when you are working with people, um, and unless you work with people the way we do, uh, you don't get it. Uh, I have a board member who uh, we have been great friends for decades now. In fact, he was a friend of mine who went with me to the smaller church that I was uh, working at as a, that's the first time I was a lead pastor. And I remember sitting with him and I joke about this often with him. Uh, I, I had probably lunch with him once a week where I whined about how <laughs> tough my job was, how discouraged I was because the church wasn't growing and yeah. how hard it is because people are just, you know, blah, 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 why, 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 ball, ball. And he has, he's working right now in a temporary position in his he's a secular field and uh, he's an engineer. He's working in an, a power company and, uh, He's now doing a temporary management position, and he was. I took him home from our board meeting the other night, and he was talking about how discouraged he is, how he just dreads going to work. He said the other mm-hmm. day, I drove to the office, got out of my car, got back in my car, and went home. Wow. He said, I just couldn't go in that day because he said, it's just crazy how people expect you to do this thing and you don't think that's the right thing to do. But uh, no matter what decision you make, somebody's not happy and yeah. you, you've constantly got to navigate relationships. And he's just talking about all these difficult things of being in leadership. Yeah. And he said, now I get why you why we had those lunches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's but got the wide all the time. <laughs> he's got he's got the insight on, on what it looks like on the other side for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. You, you know, and I come from uh, kind of the nursing medical background, and that's one thing I've I've shared. You know, in that world, the medical world, it's high. It is high drama. It is high stress. You are pouring out. You are caring for people. At the same time. You normally, there's you're not on call, meaning that hey, if I'm a I'm a gastroenterologist, and right. you know what I have, 
I work my hours and I'm on call sometimes, but I'm not on call 24 seven, 365 days. You know, there's somebody that I take time off and somebody else receive those calls. But as you said, when you're a pastor and, and a lot of times a missionary, there's not some, there's not a, uh, uh, a call service that takes your calls and reroutes your calls to somebody else. Cause in general, they want to talk to the pastor or they want to talk to the missionary. They don't want to talk to, to somebody else that they don't have a relationship with. And I think that's kind of one of the challenges that I've seen coming from that world into this world. It is a, it is a, it is a unique challenge. I think. Yeah. I think that emotional and spiritual element. Yeah. Um, weighs heavy on us. You, I mean, you're literally pouring yourself out, not just performing yeah. a, an act. You know, my wife's sure. a dental hygienist and she spends, you know, she works uh, part-time as a hygienist and then full-time as our children's pastor. And so she's okay. in, uh, you know, in both fields and um, her dental hygiene job, she'll come home and talk about it. But when she's done, she's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. Ministry is never done. Yeah. I, I don't care if it's a sermon uh, you're, I'm working on my sermon literally until the moment I walk onto the platform. I mean, yeah. it just is never done. Uh, yeah. Working with people is never done. And it's constantly in front of you, constantly pulling at you. And there's an emotional, personal element. You know, I, I had a pastor when I was young tell me, you've got to have a duck's back and let things just roll off of you and not take it personally. And I'm like, that's great for those who can, and I've got yeah. friends who can do that. But for yeah. those of us, especially who take it personally, when yeah. uh, when someone leaves leaves your church or yeah. uh, someone you've been ministering to just disappears and they they're no longer you know wanting to have anything to do with you or yeah. whatever the case is, or someone passes away, someone gets sick, or yeah. uh, whatever it is, we are pouring out emotionally, spiritually. And that takes a different toll on you than cleaning teeth or um, doing heart surgery, (laughs) I would think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's a, it is a different, it is a, there's a different uh, dynamic there. I think that um, sometimes we, we underestimate um, and that this stacks up over, over the long term, long term for sure. So how does someone, maybe they're listening in, how would they go about asking for a sabbatical? Is there a certain way? Is there some do's and don'ts? Or yeah, should they, yeah, just get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, um, and it's difficult because if you're not in a position, for example, a pastor would be able to go to his board or have someone else go to his board for him or her. Um, as a missionary, um, you're subject to uh, the rules of AGWM, or if you're a Baptist, Southern Baptist, the Southern Baptist Missions Convention, or whatever organization you may be working for. Sure. Um, I think if you have the opportunity to present your case for a sabbatical, uh, I think, you know, first of all, looking at it as uh, for the organization, say, hey, let's, and this is from my article, I talk about this, consider a policy rather than just a one-off, just a one-time, you know, hey, I need a sabbatical, can I take one in July? Can we can we enter a policy and, and yeah. task maybe a, a board member, that, a trusted friend, whoever it may be, to uh, kind of lead a team in, in kind of setting a sabbatical policy in place? Uh, there are many churches who have sabbatical policies that you can uh, just go online and Google and uh, have something to present. But I think, you know, consider, first of all, a policy and the importance of, a, of what sabbaticals are. You're going to have to uh, um, present why sabbaticals are good for you. 
you know, mm. that what's in it for me mindset. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice if uh, maybe churches or missions organizations didn't ask what's in it for me. But uh, it often comes back to what's in it for me. And I think when you you mentioned the word stewardship, I think that's what's in it for them. Um, if we know that effectiveness uh, is directly correlated to longevity, then um you can see what's in it for me. Healthy leadership, another yeah. element you know, in your discussion. Um, at, you know, I think that um, if you were to go to uh, your leadership, whether it's a board or whatever, uh, talk about, you you know, you can demonstrate why sabbaticals are important, uh, what a sabbatical looks like, uh, what it would look like in your context, having a plan um, so that it's well thought through, Um I've become a type A person, but I'm not naturally a type A person. Okay. And so my uh, uh, my earlier years, I would go and just say, hey, let's just have a talk about this. Let's discuss a sabbatical. <laughs> and they'd go, well, you know, you'd have some type A uh, person on there go, okay, what's one, two, three, three, four, five? Give me the outline, the time frame, the cost. What are you going to do? And you go, uh, or I would have gone, um, well, I'm not real sure, but... I think it's a good idea. <laughs> I think to to recognize there are going to be people who, who need to have the all the the T's crossed and all the I's dotted before you go to them, and to to present a cohesive uh, document that of a plan. Uh, and I don't think you have to do that yourself. I think it's important to uh, you know have have your own ideas. But uh, there are a lot of resources online regarding uh, ministry sabbaticals. And a lot of different philosophies, and so I think you'd want to, you know, determine is is my philosophy going to be strictly rest, or is my sabbatical going to be one where I'm learning, um, I'm going to conferences, I'm writing, uh, maybe I'm teaching or doing something uh, along those lines. Um, those who come from the academic or business world on your board or in your leadership are going to probably expect that you're going to have a, a plan for some form of personal engagement, personal uh, growth uh, there. You may not fully understand the concept of just cutting it off and resting. And so I would include elements such, even if your plan is just to rest, elements of reading. I plan to read four books, one book a, a week or whatever it may be, you know, right. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but right. something along those lines. Uh, what is your plan for it? What is uh, the benefit for you? What is the benefit for the your family? What is the benefit for your organization? One, one, one last I'm question. Sorry, I'm I got. talking a lot. I'll let you interject there. No, is excellent. Is excellent. One last question I got for you though. So when somebody comes back from sabbatical, they the board or whatever, whoever they work with, they say, yes, we think this. They go to take a sabbatical. What should they come back? Should they come back? What are some tangible things? Should they become back refreshed, refocused, re-energized? Um, yeah, just what what could one expect? I think. Uh, what you just said is perfect. Refreshed, refocused, re-energized. Um, I, I would say even revision. We have in October, the first Sunday of October every year, uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years, I think it's been, we have what we call revision. And I, I do it like this, R-E colon vision, like regarding vision. Hmm. Uh, what we do is that gives us the opportunity to um, 
to recast vision. It's kind of, I know it's kind of a cheesy play on words, but no, it's to, good. to revisit the vision God has for us, it's love first. We love first by chasing Christ, connecting community and being consumed by a cause. So we always revisit our vision. And then we make any revisions that we believe God is calling us to do. Last year, we instituted what we call prayer walks. And um, these prayer walks, uh, you can either do sitting in your bedroom while you're, you know, or your prayer closet. You can drive. You can actually walk your neighborhood or your school or your business. Uh, but praying for a sphere of influence, you know, a couple of mile radius or so. And uh, just praying for the people in that sphere of influence. Uh, this year, what we added in our revision was a revision of that. And that's continue praying, but now start talking. So move from just wa- uh, walking to talking. And so um, I think to, uh, you know, to to pull that into the return of a sabbatical, you would say something like, you know, come back with the clarified vision, uh, more clarity in what God is calling you to do, where he's calling you to go, and uh, who he's calling you to be. Um, I don't know that um, you would need, I don't know that it's necessary to come back with a new vision or whatever it may be, but I think it's important to communicate with how this has re- informed the vision God's given you for your leadership. Um, for the organization, I think to uh, to provide a form of uh, of accountability uh, would be important. This is what I learned. These are some things that I took away from my sabbatical. Um, I had a a, a four week vacation at one point, and um, that four week vacation came at a, a, a great time for me, uh, but I did not utilize it well. I had a dream mm. the first night of that vacation, and uh, it was a, a dream about someone leaving the church who had just left the church. Our uh, one of my good friends actually, and uh, that was a very painful experience. Uh, that colored um, the the day following which colored my dreams for that night, which yeah. colored the day following. And here yeah. I am again, sitting in Hawaii with my family. Um, we were there for uh, three weeks and um, I was depressed. I tried yeah. to act happy, but I came back from that trip. It was actually my my 10th anniversary trip that the church had given us. It wasn't a sabbatical, but it was the same type of purpose. And um I came back and I shared with the board how discouraged I was, how depressed I was, how much of a downer that had been for me. Hmm. Um, And I thought, you know, that was not that was that was not uh, demonstrating a good investment of their gift. And uh, I think for me, I've learned I need to come back and uh, and I'm not saying lie or or package in a deceitful way, deceitful way. But I think to come back and say, these are some good things I took away. And yeah. and you can always, you know, task it with, uh, you know, change the, the perspective. You know, yeah. I've learned uh, during this time that it's important that when I'm gone, that I focus on the good things of God, that I look for the vision God's calling me, uh, who he's calling me to be, which is primary, what he's calling me to do, which is secondary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some, you know, that type of thing. But there needs to be some form of accountability. And, and quite honestly, your leadership needs to know that this was a val- valuable investment for me. Hmm. And uh, so I, I'm saying I, what I did was wrong on that occasion. I yeah. should not have come back and shared how how it was not a good investment sure. on their part. Sure. Um, but to share you know, what you've learned, have a form of accountability. No, you know, what is that ROI, the return on their investment? What is the ROI on the the time that they've given you off? Yeah, that's good. 
That's good. Well, Kent, it has been phenomenal to spend some time with you this evening and uh, just to learn from you, your passion for this. Will you pray for us? Will you pray for the the audiences listening in? Maybe those that are thinking about a sabbatical, maybe those that have the in positions to help help people have sabbaticals. Uh, maybe these are people listening in that are, yeah, just from all different walks of life. Will you pray for us? I sure will. Before I do, I just want to say hi to any of my friends slash family who are watch who are listening in. Yes. Um, I love you all. I would mention your names, but I would forget somebody and I would feel horrible <laughs> about that. So I love y'all. You're my family. And uh, I'm going to pray for you now. Father, I thank you for the family of God. I thank you for uh, the the family in missions. I pray, God, that your hand would be upon all of my brothers and sisters who are serving you uh, in Africa and around the world. God, whether they're full-time in missions, in ministry, or just serving you uh, as a in, a in a bivocational type way. Father, I pray that those of us who are pouring into the lives of others, into the hearts of others, would experience a, a moment of refreshing right now. Father, that you would help us to pause even after uh, being a part of this podcast, Jesus, that you'd help us just to pause for a few moments to ask you to strengthen and refill us. Uh, Lord, I pray for them right now that you'd pour your spirit into them in an unprecedented way. God, we are living in um, some extremely uh, interesting times right now. Uh, looking forward to your soon return, Jesus. And uh, we know that the stress of ministry can be great. And as we enter into these uh, end times seasons, God, we know that uh, it will probably probably become even greater uh, on us. And Jesus, I pray today that you would strengthen and encourage. I pray, God, that um, my brothers and sisters would know that they're not alone, regardless of who of where they are in this world, that you would help them to sense your presence right now. God, help them to sense the love that your brothers, that your your children around the world have for them. And God, that you would lift them up, that you would hold them close to you. Encourage and strengthen them today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 